Hello and welcome to Your Property Podcast. Today I've got Mary Osman with us and um, Mary and her partner Andrew are architects by profession. Uh, They're property developers by choice with over 22 plus years combined working experience in the construction industry, both in the UK and Australia. They believe in design-led property investment that provides high-quality, healthy, happy homes for the end user. So uh, my name is Michelle Cairns, and today we are on the 18th of January 2022, so the first podcast of the year. Uh, It's uh, fantastic to have you on, Mary, just yourself today. Uh, So for people who don't know about yourselves, do you want to give us a, a quick intro about how you got started in the property world? Yes, absolutely. Thank you very much for having me on, Michelle. It's lovely, uh, lovely to be here and kind of share our story and hopefully help people um, in starting in their property journey. Um, Yes, just a little bit about uh, myself and my other half, Andrew. Um, As you mentioned, we're both um, architects and we've been working in the profession for quite a long time. Um, We love anything, buildings, building work, designing um, and creating just like amazing spaces for people. Um, And it was it was not um, until about three or four years ago until the penny dropped um, and we started to move into development. Right. So you've always kind of been um, in the property world, but from a different, uh, you know, you're coming at it from a different perspective, really a different role. So as architects, you weren't investors at that point. Absolutely not. No, Um, it's a very different world when you're in the design world. You think that and perhaps like in our normal world as well, we think that people who invest and develop or so, uh, you know, and in somewhere in a different sphere than kind of who people who design and kind of lead design and stuff like that. So, you know, going through school and going through university and everything like that, um, you're always pigeonholed into one route. So we thought that was it. You know, we were architects and we would provide um, services for, uh, for developers rather than us becoming developers ourselves. Right. And tell me about, you know, when the penny dropped, what was it that made the difference, made you think differently about investing? Yeah, absolutely. It was it, it was obviously a combination of um, lots of different things. And people say you don't actually make a change in your life until um, until you fa- feel the pain. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so, um, uh, so, yeah, it, we we're both architects and worked in uh, in practice and as so many uh, you know uh, designers and people in corporate jobs know that it's not a nine-to-five job um, I used to finish work at 9 p.m 10 p.m midnight 1 a.m um, just to deliver something because I you know I care so much about the design and the quality of it and everything so we worked so hard for our clients and people and basically people making other people rich. Um, and we just thought, oh, there will be another way. There's another way out of this. Um, so uh, we couldn't, we didn't, we didn't think about it. You know, you grow up thinking, you know, money's a bad thing and you have to work hard to earn your cash. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I came from, as you can see, I came from a very academic background where all my family, uh, you know, go to university and they become either academics or, you know, um, go into go into a profession. 
so just didn't have that kind of idea but we were both me and Andrew were just so sick of work (laughs) (laughs) so so we quit our jobs um in 2015 and we uh started to travel around the world Mm -hmm. so we bought a one-way I say one-way ticket it wasn't we bought a ticket around the world right and we started to travel we traveled for a year Uh, we got the bug so um we didn't come back we went and moved to australia um and moving to australia we kind of realized that actually it's just it's just work but in a sunnier place (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's everything everywhere but uh, we were about a week into our travels and uh, we met a guy in Argentina saying that um you know he's just working on his laptop he was like I'm at work but I'm on my laptop and then like he'd go on day trips and we thought what what <laughs> work <laughs> these things happen yeah. um so that was one of the kind of uh, penny drop moments where we thought okay we need to do something else but um, it took us a while to figure out what that was we uh, tried so many different things including like promoting green tea <laughs> marketing <laughs> health and fitness marketing yeah. you've been through all the herbs right <laughs> like, I know I know exactly <laughs> so uh, yeah we went through so many different things um and when we uh, arrived in Australia, while we were traveling, we read uh, Four Hour Work Week and Rich right. Dad Poor Dad. Yeah. Which, you know, well, um, yeah. Those two books. Everyone. <laughs> That's absolutely. all you need, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And um, within a month of being in Australia, we, we were obviously, you know, on Instagram promoted to attend the property event because we'd obviously said something about, you know, Rich Dad Poor Dad. <laughs> Um, and then we went to the property event and signed up for like a three-day event. In that three-day event, they were promoting property investment, teaching you like the basics about property investment. And they were teaching if people wanted to invest in property, they should invest in either New Zealand or England, not in Australia. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> That's interesting. Oh. I know and um, so we were talking to kind of the organizers and things like that and they literally said go back home go back to England and we were a month into being in Australia and um, well we didn't listen we said no we're gonna have to do a couple of years in Australia (laughs) now that we've arrived Uh, but then two years after that we kind of um, had educated ourselves a little bit more and uh, and made the decision to to come back to the UK and invest. Wow. Yeah, I think people just don't realise how lucky we are in the UK to have, you know, the, the way the property system is set up with, uh, you know, the, the banking system and mortgages. And it's just even, you know, you just go to Sweden or Spain or France, it's so different. And in the UK, it's much, much easier to, leverage that mortgage and um and really invest with you know great returns um so wow that's uh that's funny that they sent you back from australia 
And, you know, interesting, you mentioned that, you know, there's those two books. So if anyone hasn't um, read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I think most people on the podcast um, have read that or heard of it. And then the other one, The Four Hour Work Week from Tim Ferriss, uh, they're just game changing, absolutely game changing. And um, the the Four Hour Work Week was one that I read again and again, and it, it really helped me to make that transition. So if people are looking for that transition from the full-time work or, you know, the employee world into uh, being an entrepreneur or property investor, then I highly recommend that. So, um, and I guess the four-hour work week, that must have played into that idea that you wanted to work remotely as well, because, you know, a lot of people, they want to work on site and they like meeting the tenants and they do, you know, uh, they like to kind of be local with, with their investing. But if you've got that in mind to work remotely from the beginning, I guess, you know, you must have set things up in a certain way. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, we, um, uh, that's a very, very good point, actually, Michelle. Um, we, we always had the idea that we wanted to um, eventually work remotely. Obviously, if anyone's done any kind of traveling, it's so addictive. Um, and, you know, you want to you want to be out there rather than here uh, in our lovely weathered UK. <laughs> um so um when we did come back we wanted to um set up a really good and passive uh, property investment and property investment is not really passive but we started to set up systems really early on to be able to um to be able to eventually work remotely and so we actually got educated and got mentored into systemization right Um, carrying out due diligence using our fantastic VAs uh, to be able to run all the systems for us so we don't have to so um, you know nowadays even kind of our property finding um, and absolutely everything due diligence all the searches all the letter sending everything like that happens uh, with our VAs so well you know you've done really well to actually um implement what it says in that book to you know working with virtual assistants so that from day one because I know a lot of people they get into property they're learning about you know the bricks and the mortar and the numbers and 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 systemization because you know comes much later on by which time they've created this kind of monster (laughs) of a portfolio it's out of control and they've got no kind of all the systems are in their heads and they've got no processes and manuals kind of written down so um, so that's great to hear that you've started from the beginning with um, with setting all yeah. these assistants. I, mu- I must say it's it's not um, it's not it's not as easy as as it sounds. <laughs> um, one kind of tra- training your VA and anyone any staff member or anything like that who's working for you is um, you know it does it does take time, but you just have to be really patient for it because it really pays off. Yeah. Um, even in the early days, we, you know, both Andrew and I, I work uh, part time as a lecturer in architecture and Andrew um, works as an architect. Um, and we just had so much coming in, just kind of right move. Yeah. Um, emails yeah. got overwhelming. <laughs> so we thought, oh my God, we really need to systemize and sort this out. 
Um, but yeah, I say it's difficult because, um, you know, a property business is a business in itself. And like every hurdle, you kind of have to organize and commit to and systemize. So at the moment, um, two years on, we're still uh, start now we're starting to systemize our um kind of our tenancies and how we run everything in terms of like um getting tenants in how to um kind of vet tenants and stuff like that that's all not systemized at the moment as much as we'd like to we work with the VA but I think that that's our that's our next plug is yeah. creating a whole schedule of like handing it over to a property manager because we can't deal with it yeah. <laughs> and being like this is how our business is run it's definitely like a work in progress you know and even when you think you're done you're never done there's a new situation that arises and you think you know something happens and you uh, you're, you're constantly tweaking but you know you've got to start somewhere so absolutely, uh, absolutely. <laughs> so uh, tell me about like the portfolio then how did you decide what to go for first in terms of strategies or um, was it just you know properties came up and you thought right this is a good deal uh, which way around was it um, it was it was a bit it was a bit of both we kind of crash landed in the UK and we could have um, moved anywhere which was quite nice being having flexibility we knew we wanted to move to the north because of the rental so we wanted a good monthly income um, so we kind of placed ourselves we're in Leeds and Yorkshire uh, so we kind of placed ourselves in the middle in the beginning we went to Liverpool and Hull and places like that just to venture out but we realized we don't like driving for too long (laughs) so we wanted to invest in property kind of within the half an hour of where we were Um, and then funnily enough in the first year of our investment we couldn't invest we couldn't buy houses Mm. um so because you know there was no we were out of the country for so long that we didn't have any kind of previous history of you know working and things like that for the Mm. past three four years um so we kind of needed to build that back up Mm. and so we started in rent to service accommodation Mm. um so that was quite interesting (laughs) different business it was kind of starting a bit up there and then moving our way down um but we learned a lot of like what we liked or what we didn't like um, and kind of learned a lot about areas, started to kind of do background ground research of what we actually wanted to do because we wanted that passive investment and we wanted to buy property. So after um, the first year, we started to buy HMOs because uh, we were then able to kind of leverage on the income of the HMOs. Yeah. And it makes sense. It's the sort of quickest route to the highest cash flow. It's not necessarily the most passive strategy, but, um, you know, I I just want to pick up on something you've said there about, you know, crash landed in the UK, picked a spot and just got on with it. And you, you know, you chose the rent to service accommodation. It might not have been, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the strategy that you'll carry on with, but actually you learned there what you liked and what you didn't like. And I think that's just so important that, that people kind of just uh, take the action and then tweak from there because you get the momentum you learn so much I think you learn more if it's not the right strategy for you actually because (laughs) I know it wasn't (laughs) there's so many things that come up that you think oh my god what have I what have I done here but uh, it really helps clarify the mind of what you do want and um uh, and you know that's great and then you've got the experience you've got the track record when you go into investors and 
I think, you know, some people kind of get stuck in this paralysis by analysis yes. of which area and which strategy and, and it, you know, and then a year has gone by and you think, yes. you know, what have I done? So, um, so that's fantastic that you kind of got stuck in anyway. Yeah, I think so, really, um, uh, because we were so enthusiastic um, and uh, like you say, the momentum was there. We just didn't want to lose it yeah. because you could just get stuck. And we said, you know what? We really want to invest in property. We're back here. We're so accountable as well. So we told everyone. <laughs> it's probably actually a good thing. We told everyone we're going to get invest in property and then to not do it. <laughs> Yeah, that would have been have, you know, awkward. <laughs> we couldn't. Yeah, that would have been awkward. So I think um, uh, we very quickly realized how accountability meant a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so and yeah, we were just like, I think I went to about 90 to 100 viewings for rent service competition because it's it's not easy people don't want to give up their properties to serve to you know service accommodation um um, so yeah I just we were like we're gonna do this we're gonna get something yeah and I just yeah we just went for it we just did so many viewings before we actually got even our first service accommodation well it's a numbers game right so absolutely you know the the more you see the more chances you've got and um uh, you know if you start at home they won't come walking through the door <laughs> absolutely, like so. Absolutely. so what did you move on to then after so you got it was it straightforward from service accommodation to HMOs and was that a rent-to-rent setup um, yeah, so it was it was straight from service accommodation to HMOs and it was purchasing HMOs because we were we really wanted to purchase. So as soon as the year was up, uh, we started to purchase. Right. Uh, so you had to wait a year in order to be eligible for absolutely. the mortgages. And absolutely. Right, OK, yeah. so that must have been uh, again, having that deadline, you know, something to work towards. And um, yes, yeah, absolutely. And um, and I think it worked out very well for us because by that time, you know, a rent to service accommodation or rent to rent model um, is a bit more flexible because you can leave it um, at the end of kind of its its deadline and the amount that you're spending on it is lower. Um, so you've got a bit of a safety buffer, yeah. albeit you're setting up a, um, a business. However, when you're buying a property, you're putting a lot of money into to it um you're putting a lot of effort into it so the due diligence it just meant that we had so much more time to carry out our due diligence systemize ourselves with our VA um and then kind of hit the ground running and then we were able to kind of um, buy a, a property and then uh, understand the area another area and then buy another property rather than kind of uh, is, uh, sitting on our hands almost and then and not moving on so how have you managed to kind of increase your portfolio um, in the short space of time you have? Is that working with investors or is that adding value and refinancing? Yeah, so we, we've we done a, a little bit of both um, because, uh, again, both of us are um, architects. We, we just love to buy rundown houses and houses with opportunity. So the first house that we purchased um, had uh, an attached garage onto it. So we converted that garage into a lounge kitchen area um, and then we were able to kind of convert the other rooms downstairs into bedrooms and the upstairs and everything like that so we saw the opportunity there which was really good um, and then that's when you're able to actually pull a lot more cash out um, of uh, of the deal and then kind of go again so we've always managed to 
put in a pull enough cash out mm -hmm. um, to go again um, and then at the same time just kind of telling our friends and family about what we're doing and them investing um, into us uh, as well which, yeah. which has been really good. I'm sure they were um, really surprised and you know proud of you so if, you know for kind of getting stuck in and actually being able to see you know go and visit the houses and see what you achieved in such a short space of time and you know, you've got that kind of ambition backed up with the numbers, backed up with, okay, you know, this is actually working, the money's coming in, here's the bank statements. It's, uh... I know, yeah, absolutely. I think at, at the beginning, because obviously um, uh, our families are like, they're not in business or anything like that at all. <laughs> um, so they were very dubious about what we were doing. And it's safe, what, right? <laughs> I know, why, yeah. why are we leaving our architectural <laughs> jobs? And <laughs> And setting up businesses to buy property is such a risky business, yeah. <laughs> putting a lot into it. But then as soon as they saw the results, you know, it's lovely. You know, they come and help us on the like setup days and things like that and and understand the numbers, understand what's going on. They really, really got into it. And um, and yeah, it's been it's it's been fantastic. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, part of what you do, you know, the architecture, but also the interior design as well. So how does that feed into the HMOs? Because um, obviously, in you know, the magazine and on Facebook and Instagram, we see these gorgeous pictures of um, the HMO rooms. And, you know, they are uh, a lot of what we see is very high end premium products. Um, and sometimes I think, you know, they are great to kind of showcase what's possible, but they often hit the bottom line on the uh, the ROI because you're spending so much money to make them great and if you can get the return on the rents the increased rents then fantastic um but that's not always the case and especially if the you know the the, the market rent is quite low in the area that you're investing in so you know how did you manage that balance between making a fantastic product um for the tenants and balancing the the investment for that um, yeah, that's a really good question, actually. And I think um, it's it's interesting because it does depend on lots of different things. Um, it, do, it does. So creating absolutely beautiful um, properties probably costs a little bit more than somebody buying a property, just painting it and then tenanting it, painting it, furnishing it and then tenanting it. We do a lot more than that. We kind of we. Um, again just being we we have as as kind of architects we have a level of care mm. um and we we're a massive believer that um kind of design can really improve a, a person a person themselves because you know i have i have a lot of feng shui issues <laughs> 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 and um and things have to be in particular ways and particular okay. colors and everything like that so um uh, we're a huge believer that um, uh, you know a design depend like is uh, very much driven with your mental health and everything like that. And um, like so, um, so often uh, we see young professionals and students being a lecturer. Um, I see so many students going through so much mental health and so many issues and problems and things like that. And actually, I'm I'm hoping to do a PhD on this. Oh, okay, fantastic. <laughs> um, um, but we we kind of we went into the game not thinking we're here to make money, but thinking actually we want to pro provide 
beautiful houses because you know as I was saying we work till 12 midnight for clients right so us working till for till 12 midnight for ourselves to provide better homes we love doing it (laughs) it's like a real impact I guess uh, yeah absolutely to actually make a really like a real impact and and kind of what we're used to as the, the client or now our clients or our tenants just being so happy with kind of where they live and are like being really proud of it and everything like that. So that was really, really important to us um, in the beginning. Um, but we're again, we're quite savvy investors. Um, and as Andrew would tell you, I'm a very frugal person. <laughs> um so at least one of you is right I know somebody's got to be right um so we look at um how to create really really great designs that don't cost a fortune they do cost more than just painting a house uh, but absolutely nowhere near just being considerate about a design and a layout nowhere near how high people might think it might become um kind of hiring a, a like a um, a joiner for a day to put paneling on is only 200 pounds right mm-hmm. it's not actually that much yeah. but it looks fantastic and the decorator comes and decorates it anyway yeah <laughs> um so yeah so it's you know so it, we real we soon realized it was actually costing less than we thought uh, but then in saying that we do you know you do as an investor you do want your rooms to rent out well and that's where area comes into consideration so when we carry out our due diligence we make sure that the um kind of the end value of each room and, and everything like that is actually worth um how much effort and how much uh, we like how much money we put into it to transform it and um, so certain areas absolutely it doesn't quite work with our model Right. And, you know, there's uh, the difference between the cosmetic, the look and the feel about the place. And, and you touched on it before about the, um, you know, the user experience and how they, um, you know, how they live in the property. So the storage and the space and, and thinking about where things are placed, I guess, you know, with your background, you it, might, it just must come naturally to you to. Um, think about that from the beginning especially if you're doing the development and you're you know you're able to go back to brick and design the layout from scratch Um, I I suppose when you've already got an existing layout it's more difficult to do that but um, can you tell us a bit about what you factor in you know what's important um, where you spend money to make those differences for the tenants um, yes, absolutely. So there's, um, as you touched on it, and on existing houses, it's a bit more difficult to kind of really reshape um, a space. But what we find really important is um, creating big, um, we call it the heart space. So communal areas um, and social areas for um, uh, for the tenants is really important. And actually creating a heart space that is really welcoming, really warm and really user-friendly so um creating so and you create that by so um you don't want your communal area to be difficult to access Um, so you don't want it kind of two floors up or two floors down or something like that you actually want kind of the tenant to be able to come in come in from a hallway and then relax or something like that into a communal area an open communal area so they can be social together we do uh, consider areas really important for us I think we would um 
kind of we look at just how much space you can create for all the tenants and really maximize that and um, opening up kitchens and lounges is really important so creating like one big space I actually do um, interior interior design as well for um, a lot, it's actually a lot of HMO investors just to kind of improve their stock and when they buy properties they they come to us um, kind of for support and for interior design and in the last project they had a separate kitchen and the kitchen was quite small and then they had a big lounge and it wasn't really doing anything right. <laughs> and the space was disbalanced where now we love to use kitchen areas as social areas yeah. we kind of feel safe in kind of lingering sitting high up on our kind of stools and things like that that feels more comfortable for us and um, so we take people's kind of way of life into consideration um, and with the uh, previous project where with a client project we actually um, opened up the, the whole two spaces actually mm -hmm. moved the kitchen into the bigger space and then the smaller space became kind of the, the lounge area and it looks absolutely fantastic and just gets used so well so like usable space is really important and then as you touched on it again storage yeah. you have to ensure that tenants get storage because they kind of if they can hide their clutter they care about their space mm -hmm. um, so they care about where you know uh, for most of our tenants we don't have to ever say oh can you keep it tidy we never say keep it tidy because yeah. they love it and you go like we pop in to take um chocolates and wine uh during christmas and like the whole house are decorated in christmas trees and things like that and these are people who didn't know each other and yeah. um, so they're really like the level of care and everything's really high and we uh, with kind of we provide shoe racks um, in the hallways we provide at least two cupboard spaces for um, in the kitchens fridge feature spaces and in the bedrooms we provide underbed storage two types of storage um, in the bedrooms as well as well as kind of the bathrooms and stuff like that so like really maximizing how they use the space and just giving them everything that we can yeah it must be fantastic to actually put you know your own skill set to use because as you say you're helping other people and it's not most people's uh, area of expertise so actually being able to use your you know your previous skills and transfer those to the property world uh, must be really fulfilling <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I think I think that's how, how we kind of find it and see it is just just being able to do because um, everyone sees property investment as or people are in that on the outside see it like, a oh, it's not a great thing. And you see on the news that people are commenting on um, <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> and people's roofs are falling through when we're just, you know, so many people in the property community are doing such fantastic yeah. work on property and their level of like our level of care for tenants have really like risen and like uh, Know, just caring and you get so much gratitude back don't you yeah absolutely so you know to go from the uh the detail of you know, the storage and where things go and using your skills on bigger projects what is the plan moving forward do you you know do you think you're going to stay with hmos for a while or are you going to look at bigger projects or new bills or developments Absolutely. So my uh, other half is the uh, the one who's always kind of um, uh, pushing through and pushing us forward, really. So we've kind of 
very recently set up a development company and um, so we're um, so we're able to do bigger commercial jobs uh, we've had um, an offer accepted uh, yeah. on a black of flats which is brilliant um, very early days um, but yes it'll be again renovating a really beautiful actually it's, it's quite it's um, a kind of a building that's got historical features which is right. lovely but um, so far in internally uh, kind of the features and the, uh, the architectural love hasn't protruded through the interiors. Right. <laughs> we love it. Like we're really excited to get in there and actually bring those features back. Well, I bet you can't wait to get your teeth into something a bit bigger where you can use all of those skills yeah, yeah. as well. Yeah, and we're so used to doing that because yeah. Andrew and I were um, commercial architects rather than kind of <laughs> property architects. <laughs> Funnily enough, when we started our first projects uh, doing houses, we had no idea about houses. <laughs> 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 think, oh, but you're architect surely you'll know it yeah. all but um actually our experience were in much bigger things yeah. so that that's um if we can get into that sphere that's our comfort zone yeah I bet so you know just what what type of things would you be looking to do in terms of the architect and you know would you be building um you know your own new build you know, on a plot of land? Is that the type of thing you're yes, looking to Yes, I do? think absolutely. We'd love to do new builds and we'd love to be kind of um, doing new builds in a very eco-friendly manner as well. Oh, okay. I'm considering materials, the longevity of materials and kind of how the spaces look and feel. Um, again, kind of touching on the end user experience. So we'd be really, really keen on doing that. Um, and then, uh, yeah, uh, kind of doing uh, big uh, conversions, commercial conversions or kind of like existing building renovations. So we'd love to get our teeth in all sorts. <laughs> I'm sure it won't be long. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks very much, Trisha. So well, where can people find out more about you, what you're up to and your next projects? Um, presumably on Instagram and the usual so yes, social media places. Absolutely, we're we we're a lover of Instagram, and um, so we are all our kind of um, social media is Elite Dwellings, and um, so our um, website is elitedwellings.co.uk. Our Instagram handle is Elite Dwellings, and so is our Facebook. But we hang out in Instagram a little bit more. Right, that's brilliant. We'll we'll put the links to those in the show notes as well, and uh, we look forward yeah, to having you back on in the future and seeing what you what you get up to. You know, the speed know, of what yeah. you've uh, you've done is is really impressive and uh, great ethos, and it just goes to show what can be done in a short space of time when you've got that focus, the determination, and um, and, and all of that perseverance. So, well done. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. You're welcome. Take care, Mary. I'll see you next time. Thank you. And for everyone who is not yet a subscriber to the magazine, if you would like a, your first free copy for a 30-day trial, then click the link in the show notes as well. See you next time. Thanks.